Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Shade Protocol AMA, hosted by Tricky Crypto with Cosmo Spaces. Let's take a listen. You guys have been grinding and you know, ready to rise, huh? Yeah, no, it's been it's been heads down for I mean we're closing in on a on a year now, and we've done, you know, we've done some smaller power user product launches, but ultimately what's happening in, in Q4 and Q1 are is th- this is this is what we're here to do you know ultimately yeah it's exciting you know like it's it's crazy that so much like you know quote unquote negative you know like market action is also like a time for so much positive you know like ecosystem action because it really does just build communities um you know builders can go build without pressure of what the price is doing and number go up um people are just more worried about what's actually being you know, what value is actually being brought to the community. Yeah, I actually think it's interesting that the the very macroeconomic forces that have created the the pain in this last cycle of the last year, that those very macroeconomic problems is like the very thing that Silk is trying to step in and help, you know, resolve and help, you know, provide value to everyday folks by hedging against all this global global volatility. So um building silk during the bear feels right because it's like, man, I wish we had silk live right now because it would have, it would have helped. It would have helped people who saw the Euro depreciate by 30 cents over the course of like three months, right? Like anyone holding a global currency that was depreciating in relation to the dollar, if you would have been sitting in silk, you would have been hedged against these, these large macroeconomic events in in Ukraine and the relationships between China and the U S COVID, all these things. So it feels great to, to build the product that you wish currently existed. Yeah. So I think it would be cool because I know people know you as Carter, you know, Shade, he's a builder. Uh, but I think you're a little more well-rounded than that. You have some, you know, formal education that's really valuable. Um, I think you, you're pretty sure you're a published author. Uh, you just kind of want to go in and intro yourself uh, to the community. Give us a little background on uh, prior to the Cosmos and your uh, experience in the Cosmos. Sure. So actually, I... My introduction to the space was in uh, early 2017. I had a cousin that was uh, pretty pretty far up the TradFi, TradFi ladder, linked me stuff on Bitcoin and crypto, jumped in uh, as someone who was rounding out an education with you know computer science and finance, um, instantly fell in love with a lot of the concepts because cryptocurrency sits at this crossroads of computer science and economics and, and and people and game theory and so many of these things. And so I started reading every piece of literature that I could get my, my hands on in the crypto space and found out that a lot of the literature was pretty terribly written. I was like 40, 50 pages into taking notes across like every book that I could read. And I kind of realized like, wait a second, am I, am I writing a book right now? 
Um, so that was like my intro to the space was, Hey, there seems to be this need. There's a lack of like uh, material that approaches the tech stack and can describe it to everyday people and describe the beauty of it while also introducing investing fundamentals to everyday folks. Like everything out there is either way too tech stack focused or way too investment focused. And I wanted to try to kind of bridge the gap. So I spent three years uh, writing and researching the book. It's called Building Confidence in Blockchain. And during that three-year journey, uh, found MakerDAO as a product, you know, as a project, um, found DAI, got obsessed with stable coins, was there very early on during the Terra days in 2020. Um, and as I've really just been trying to figure out, like, there's this incredible technology, but like, why is it not bridging back to our everyday lives sooner? Right. Like there's so many valuable attributes of blockchain with permissionless participation, immutability, censorship resistance. Like, why isn't this tech ultimately getting integrated into our everyday lives? Why is my mom and mom and dad using this stuff if Bitcoin's been around since since 2008? Um, and fundamentally, the, the problem that I, I saw was how can you bridge finance and commerce back to our everyday lives if there's no security and privacy for for transactions? And of course, like total transparency is its own feature in its own right. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Satoshi, I don't think the original vision would have imagined that you'd have all these centralized exchanges and that there'd be chain analysis, doxing everyone. Um, and so like fundamentally the thesis that emerged was DeFi needs a degree of privacy to work, to bridge that back to everyday lives. And it also needs to have a path to auditability and compliance. And so I started looking for the tech stack. I'm like, where, where's the privacy for DeFi? Where is it on Ethereum? And that's when I discovered, you know, secret network um, as, as its own little, little cosmos chain. Um, I actually wrote the secret network gray paper. Uh, it originally was a, a blockchain called Enigma and no one had taken the time to kind of, rewrite the white paper after its initial inception. So that was like my intro to secret network was actually <laughs> writing the, the white paper for it and talking with the, the protocol doves and making sure that it was up to date and good and accurate. Um, and then I joined the, the secret foundation on secret network, started helping with business development and grants. And in 2020, early 2020, uh, all of this was happening where I was joining the foundation, helping with the white paper on secret network also spun up a validator on Seeker Network with someone else named Mohamed Petla. He's the CTO of the core protocol development team for Shade Protocol. And we started validating on Cosmos chains. And in 2020, that's when we kind of decided like, hey, we found the tech stack that has privacy preserving smart contracts. We believe that late game, end game DeFi is going to exist on a tech stack that will look something like Seeker Network. So let's actually go and build those apps. Let's actually go and build this DeFi ecosystem that we think is late game. And so we, you know, started pulling pulling devs into the vision. The a five million dollar private raise was closed at the end of December back in 2021. The team has now scaled up to 22 people, uh, multiple teams, 13 folks based out of the Midwest. There's actually an office that a lot of people go into. So. It's been the the growth and the growing pains we've gone through since that raise and hiring everyone has been phenomenal. Um, we've had no employee turnover. Everyone's like loves the loves the core team, and everyone's just getting very very pumped for Q4. Finally, getting the chance to bring a stable coin, bring lending, bring a stable swap, bring a dex, all of these core DeFi primitives to the market, 
with privacy uh, in a way that's that's never been done before. So that I know that was a very very long intro, but that's <laughs> that's the story. It, it was great, thank you. Um, I like how you kind of started out with trying to be you know a bridge between like the technical part and the average user part, and I feel like now you're trying to be a bridge between traditional DeFi um, and privacy, like DarkFi, you know, and, and privacy. Um, so I think it'd be cool if you can kind of just, you know, explain what you and the team um, through these growing pains um, have been building and what, you know, kind of what is shade and what is silk um, and kind of why is privacy so important to you guys and your, your core mission? 100%. That's an, that's an excellent question. So when we, when we sat down like over well over a year ago to build shape protocol, we, we didn't just want to add privacy as an attribute. We actually wanted to innovate on the core DeFi principles because while we believe that privacy is key key for commerce, um, fundamentally the DeFi space is moving so rapidly that you ha- you have to you have to innovate in terms of the tokenomics, the capital efficiency, all the the design space of all the primitives. So the first problem we acknowledged separate from privacy was every single app was launching their own token, right? So like I go to some random layer one. And there's five lending products, five DEXs, five this, five that, right? And it's actually like very intimidating as a user to like come in and hunt down all these different apps, jump between them, understand all the individual apps. And one thing we realized that there's like actually like DeFi and all these different, like these DeFi ecosystems are actually super fractured, not only from like a user story and user perspective, but also from a liquidity perspective. So what would it mean to build like a cohesive, unified DeFi ecosystem where every app, instead of having its own token, instead of accrues value back to the same governance token? Um, How much would that simplify incentives? How much would that simplify the user experience? How much would that open up the the design space when your lending product can directly work with a DEX? Um, and, And like the reason this is kind of a beautiful concept is like imagine um, Uniswap, like Uniswap and MakerDAO. Uh, you'll notice that like Uniswap doesn't give MakerDAO like permissioned access to have like the lending product interact with Uniswap in a unique way. And the reason Uniswap doesn't do something like that is because they have separate tokens. They have totally separate economic incentives. And so then the design space is limited by the fact that Uniswap and MakerDAO, were they ever to do some sort of collaboration like that, ultimately have to have to meet in the middle um but instead they have their own websites their own user bases their own stakeholders right so bridge this back over to the shape protocol concept when you have like your dex working with its own stable coin working with its own staking derivatives uh working with its own lending product its own bonds product suddenly the design the design space is starting to to open up for us from from the user experience too like users don't have to jump between three websites to pull off some complex leverage strategy. It's like, it's all there, all on the app, on the left side toolbar, your lend is one click away from swap, one click away from derivatives, right? So the, so yeah, so those are the two things we wanted to, we want to have this unified DeFi ecosystem, launch all the key primitives that ultimately would expand the design space and also solve for privacy. Now, this is where the growing pains come in how the heck do you get how do you convince many many builders to build under one token right because like the the incentives are so 
strong to just go and launch your own token. And so we had to find like a really strong subset of builders that understood that like we want to build quality services per app and that we don't want to like dilute the vision and the time across, you know, different, different incentive sets. And so we, we found those individuals. We, we launched this grants program that's already seeded five or six different like teams that have, that are building under shade protocol. Um, and it's been, it's been a smashing success in my opinion. And it's kind of cool because when you find those fellow builders that want to be part of a unified vision, the cool part is, is all they have to do is focus on building the products. You don't have to, like, when you launch your own token, you have to bootstrap your own community. You have to bootstrap your own front end, your own infrastructure, your own marketing, your own fundraising. And instead, like with Shea Protocol, we do all that for you. All you have to do is come and build the products in this privacy-preserving DeFi ecosystem. You get, you know, you're, you're a shareholder in it and you already have a community of users. You have your testers, you have your front end, you have all, like everything is covered for you. All you have to do is come and build. And that, that perspective has, has really done wonders for us. So when, I think when we come to market in Q4 and Q1, everyone's going to be like, with all due respect, how the heck did these guys launch a stablecoin, a DEX, a lending product, staking derivative bonds, multi-chain airdrop? How did they pull all that off in approximately... 10 to 11 months. And like the answer is, is we spread the love and, and we, and we found people that understand the vision. And of course there's been growing pains along the way, but I'm, I'm very proud of what we're on track to accomplish. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think you kind of sit out with the right, right mindset. You know, you've learned from all of the different apps that have great siloed experiences and great siloed use cases, but there was obviously something missing that br- bridging them together um, and making that seamless interaction. Um, and the fact that you're combining this under like one governance token style structure, one protocol that just works together, um, and users, like you said, aren't going to three different web pages, like that's great. And the fact you have a team that is geared towards that vision together, um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it makes it easier for you guys to, you know, get through these growing pains and tough lessons and come out with a better product, um, at the end. A hundred percent. And we've been, I think the part that's been super cool to see is, is the mind share when all of your developers are unified under one token on separate teams is like the, the iteration on like publicly shared tooling moves super fast, right? When you have three, four teams where it's like, oh, you're doing that. We're doing that. And they're doing that. Wait a second. Like, how can we all combine? How can we simplify? And so like the layers of abstractions from like the smart contract side and the infrastructure side and the front end side, I think have iterated far more rapidly than if you're in, in an ecosystem with like three separate tokens, each teams are going to tweak things just to their own needs. Like, the, like you're kind of relying on people to have an open source mindset, despite having separate economic incentives, right? Like if you have a bunch of different tokens involved versus this type of like multi-team setup, all unified with their own, you know, under one token. It's a, it's not only is it open source mentality, but it's also backed up by economic alignment. Yeah. You know, like you said, everybody, has different incentives and that's what what pushes the world so it makes sense to align all of those protocols um to succeed when the other succeeds so can you kind of go into what some of the other like the DeFi primitives that are going to be available um when you guys launch and like maybe uh what's going to be available day one and then what do you guys have on the roadmap for a little further out if that's something you guys can can share right now yeah, absolutely. So I'll go, I'll go one product at a time with what's already been accomplished and then we'll talk about what's coming. So we, back in February, 
was a multi-chain airdrop, which is very difficult to pull off. It was technically a private multi-chain airdrop, which is its own rabbit hole to go down. Um, but it was an airdrop to Secret Stakers, Atom Stakers, as well as the original Luna Stakers pre-collapse. Um, those snapshots were from November 7th to December 13th of 2021. And the first part of the airdrop, the first 20%, was distributed back in February. So that was the first accomplishment was a multi-chain airdrop. There's been approximately uh, 28,000 uh, smart contract interactions with the, with the airdrop. Uh, and it's been a 48% claim rate, which is much higher than the industry average of around a 40% claim rate. So not only like it, it was multi-chain and we had a greater than like ab- above average, like compared to most airdrops. So super, super impressed and excited by that component. Um, and then following the airdrop, one of the grants that we spun up was a secret network staking derivative. So we launched uh, STKD-Secret, which if you're familiar with something like Stride or Quicksilver, we actually launched a staking derivative back in April. So we were one of the first staking derivative projects to market. I think we were second besides persistence. Um, And that's Secret Network's largest staking derivative to date. And that derivative is getting used all over Secret DeFi. It's it's used on SiennaSwap, SiennaLend, which is the other big DeFi products on Secret Network right now. And I'll talk more about what that staking derivative is going to unlock with like leverage and interesting yield strategies. But long and short, there's a revenue stream coming from the derivative for any time someone mints the derivative or withdraws the derivative back to the underlying collateral. Um, so that's a super cool, you know, that revenue was established back in April. And then bonds were launched um, in August slash September of, of this year. Bonds was an interesting project because it was uh, one of the a, a dev that were like, hey, see if you can pull off bonds. And it ended up being like quicker to market than the rest of the primary primitives, which was not necessarily like planned for. Uh, but this is the first bonds product in the cosmos. And what this allows for is the shade treasury can essentially sell its assets to the open market at a certain spot price. And so in September, the shade DAO sold shade for its own for secret staking derivative, which it's currently er earning yield on, as well as LP tokens. It also purchased some S Osmo and S Atom, which is currently being liquidity provided on osmosis. So now the shade DAO at this current point, at this point in time, is earning staking yield from Seeker Network. It's earning liquidity providing yield uh, from Osmosis. It's earning trading fees on Sienna from owning its own liquidity. And it's also earning all those staking derivative minting and withdrawing fees. So like, and we haven't even got to the main primitives yet, right? Like we've just, we've established some of these power user products um, through bonds, through staking derivatives. And now that brings us up to Q4 and Q1. So what's coming in Q4 and Q1 um, is ShadeSwap which is our privacy-preserving AMM. Uh, really big features for the ShadeSwap is that it's also a stable swap. Um, this is another grant that we spun up way back. Uh, this, there's going to be a white paper released November 1st with all the mathematics. We looked at what Curve was doing on Ethereum, and we said, can we improve the computational efficiency? And actually, can we add more control over the Curve itself? So Curve, you can determine... Um, how long the curve is flat, which represents like low trading fees. And then both of the curves or both of the tails on the curve are symmetrical. And so what we've done with the silk swap, which is the name of the, the stable swap invariant, is we actually have asymmetric control over the shape of the tails and we can get to control how, how flat the curve is for, for how long. Um, 
and it has uh, improved computational efficiency compared to curve. So like once this white paper goes out November 1st, it's technically already implemented like on testnet stuff privately, um, the stable swap. But once this goes out to the world, I think there's going to be a lot of Ethereum DeFi folks. I think there's going to be Cosmos DeFi folks that are going to look at that white paper and be like, oh, frick, like the like this isn't just some like privacy DeFi protocol. These guys are actually pushing the needle forward on like the mathematics behind AMMs. So we're super pumped to get that out to the world. Um, where was I? So shade swap, privacy preserving. It's front running resistant, which is hugely important. We could talk about front running forever. It has that stable swap. Um, and actually another feature, which is never, man, I don't even know if I should leak this. Um, so, oh boy. Um, please do, please do. So uh, in essence, so arbitrage is very, is very interesting, right? Um, like everyone's building layer ones to kind of capture capture mev right and so this is going to like the underlying protocol and it's and it's going back to like arb players um but we we kind of sat down and we looked at this and it's kind of like who and maybe i'll ask you this question we'll, we'll, we'll run through this little thought experiment who ultimately is paying for like the the arbitrage right who does it ultimately impact the users exactly so who should benefit from the arbitrage the users exactly so shade swap will be the world's first ever self-arbitrage product so when you make a trade you're you, essentially your capital will be used in the same block to arbitrage the very imbalance that you've created in the pool and the revenue will go back to you as a user and a small portion back to the protocol this has never been done so I, I, it's, it's going to be a fascinating experiment. Um, and the only reason this works is because our ARB product is directly working with ShadeSwap, right? So an analogy I like to give is like, all right, so White Whale, they're their own ARB product with their own token, right? But imagine White Whale went and tried to approach a DEX to like set up this kind of deal. It, once again, like super conflicting incentive. It'd be very difficult to like come up with an implementation that's fair between the two tokens. But all of our products are unified under one token. And so fundamentally, this means that the DEX is giving permissioned access to this arbitrage smart contract. And this is what I mean by like unified DeFi opens up the design space. People are going to start realizing this and be like, oh gosh, like this, this makes too much sense. And ultimately, this expanded design space fundamentally benefits the users and it benefits, benefits the protocol. Um, and in this case, it also results in more accurate pricing. Um, because everything, everything is instantly arbed out, like as the user makes their trades. So super large traders that are like causing slippage because they have such large trades. Imagine you're on osmosis and you're about to receive, you're about to create 5% slippage, but then you get 3% back because you're arbing your own price disparity that you created, right? Like that's like a really big deal. So we think that this type of self arbitrage product, um, is going to be a massive competitive advantage for for large traders, and that will be attracted to Shade Swap for that product. Um, so, I don't know if I was supposed to. Sh- I mean, we've we've brought this up before, but just like the more you think about it, the more of a mind frick it is. Uh, how cool that we can we can do stuff like this. Um, besides self arbitrage, stable swap, we're also looking into the privacy side of things. Um, so. Technically, like Secret Network is kind of a, it has like granular privacy. So 
there's been some demand from our community to create like truly dark pools. The problem with like uh, dark pools is that people can't really see how much, how many tokens are in the liquidity pool. And there's some like engineering challenges behind like, how do you have total and complete privacy for trades while traders, while traders simultaneously have the comfort of knowing that like they're actually interacting with real pools and like, there's like legitimate stuff on the other side of things. Um, and so we're looking into potentially scoping some research to do, um, ring, ring signatures, which is some Monero privacy tech and trying to incorporate it onto seeker network and onto the decks to make the decks turn from kind of like a privacy preserving asset trading decks into like potentially legitimate dark pools, um, that are simultaneously safe. So there's, there's, there's a lot on the research front that's going to have to go into that. And we're trying to figure out how much the market's actually demanding that degree of, of privacy. Um, so that, that's just something else to put out there that we're, we're looking into. Anyways, that was just the decks. <laughs> I'll pause there for any questions, perhaps before I jump into silk shade land and some of the, the DGen loops, fun DeFi strategies that we think will emerge. I think you did a really good job of explaining all that. I think, like you said, it's kind of like mind effing when you're like, wait a minute, like my slippage that I'm creating, I'm arbing, but like the protocols arbing back to like bring back to myself and other token holders. Um, I think like you guys have, are turning like the rent seeking model, like upside down and you're, you're renting to yourself in a way. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, cause arbitrage, like it's just like a outside entity, you know, like, they're providing us. I mean, one could argue they're. I think the argument that's used, is like they're providing a service by creating more accurate pricing. But at the end of the day, like they're not the only actor that can do that. It's it's purely a race of like first come first serve, and then it's ultimately a form of value extraction. So I think the most interesting part that will emerge is how much should go back to Shade Protocol versus the user, and like that's fundamentally because technically that is there's still like rent extraction mechanics by saying like hey a protocol receives some form of revenue from that arbitrage. So I'm like really interested to see how the shade community balances, like how much do we want to make this like a massive user acquisition strategy where we're like, Hey, you're getting like a hundred percent of like the art profits go back to the user versus 90% versus 80% versus 7%. Right. So I do want to acknowledge that like there is still, it's still a profit rep stream back to the protocol. That's still technically a form of um, like a monetary premium. But the difference is that like, this is the first time that it's been built in where the user has the opportunity to benefit from it. And uh, I'm biased towards like putting all the chips on the table and being like, let's, let's have the users benefit like 95, like hundred percent. Like, let's see what happens. Like how much, how much is that going to attract to the, to the decks with that kind of feature? Yeah, that's great. I think like you said, like you ultimately want to attract people in there and you know, once they get in there, you know, you can, they'll be stuck once they see this entire economic ecosystem is what it's almost feeling like. And you've only gone through a, half of half of what's uh, what's coming um so if you yeah. want to move on past the decks you know go go right ahead yeah yeah the last thing i'll say is that arbors are going to hate our decks because it's always going to be properly priced and they're not going to be able to arbit because everyone making the trades instantly arbs themselves in the same block so <laughs> like i i'm like fascinated to see arbors reaction to this decks because i feel like they're going to be like wait a second this is not, <laughs> I don't get to extract value from people making trades on this deck. So it all goes back to the users. Wow. How dare they be equitable? You know, um, any, anywho, anywho. Um, so we'll now shift over to shade lend and silk. Um, silk 
we'll we'll start with silk because shade and silk are intimately intertwined. So, um, let's let's start with this the 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 stable the world of stable coins. So, um, we had tether originally. Where there was like a big liquidity problem on Ethereum, and people are like, we need stable assets. Crypto is crazy volatile. So Tether comes in, they issue these ERC-20 tokens that can be apparently redeemed for dollar value, right? Like back in the TradFi world. Um, this solves an immediate problem of liquidity, but then the world of crypto is like, wait a second, this is completely centralized. There's a lot of risks tied to this. We don't know how back to the cryptocurrency actually is. What if we made instead like our own decentralized stablecoin where the collateral backing the system was like publicly visible, everyone could know like how secure the system actually is. And so this is where MakerDAO came in with, with DAI. Um, they said, hey, you put up $150, $150 worth of something like Ethereum, and then you can mint out $100 worth of the stable coin called DAI. Um, and if the value of the collateral ever you know, goes below a certain um, acceptable collateralization ratio, the smart contract essentially um, liquidates and sells the collateral backing the DAI in exchange for die, and then it burns the die, and so it's able to like maintain the debt of the system using some really really clever mechanics. And so die is uh, the largest decentralized stable coin on the market, uh, but there's a few there's a few problems with die. Uh, the first piece is it's super capital inefficient, right? It takes one hundred fifty dollars worth of value to create one dollar worth of a stable coin. Like fundamentally, that's it's going to be difficult to expand the system. the The second piece is privacy. Um, as per kind of the, the start of this conversation, how do we actually bridge stable coins back to commerce and merchants if we don't have on-chain privacy for transactions? Um, the example I like to give is like, imagine I'm a company and I pay my employees and die. If, if my employees could figure out like which wallet, like they could literally say, ooh, I received money from this wallet. So now I'm going to go check, ooh, my employer is paying this much money to like the other employees or ooh, this employer is paying this much with some contractor, right? So like, Financial deals and commerce need on-chain privacy. Merchants need privacy so their competitors can't snoop on them. Like imagine I'm a, some, some business selling a product and my competitors could go on chain and know exactly what time of day my products are being purchased, exactly what I'm selling them for. Um, like that's like a, that's a dramatic like data mining problem for a company um, that competitors could take advantage of. So, so yeah, fundamentally, die capital inefficient and it doesn't have this have this privacy side of things so terra then came along with ust and solved the capital efficiency problem or or attempted to solve it clearly um and they did it by saying you know what we're not going to have things be 150 percent back instead we're going to have one single volatile asset called luna that can always be like converted between ust and luna and using this kind of reflexive system of arbitrage we're able to keep ust at a target peg um this worked pretty dang well until it didn't. Uh, it fell apart due to essentially bad debt incurred in the system uh, by when UST was minted out using Luna at a price that was way too overvalued, such that when Luna crashed back to like 30, 40 bucks and UST was minted out when Luna was worth $100, there was like an actual gap in asset to liability backing. If you consider all UST liabilities and all Luna's assets backing the system, um, like there was literally more liabilities than assets in the system. And so everything kind of collapsed. And so the beauty of over collateralized system is you're guaranteed to have more assets than liabilities at any given moment. So pivoting now to Shade Protocol and Silk, what we're trying to do. Um, So Silk has privacy, answers all those earlier questions. The second piece is that Silk 
is starting off over collateralized. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. We believe that markets aren't going to trust algorithmic stable coins. And to be honest, that's completely fair considering the data set we're all operating under in the last year or two. So we're going to be using the MakerDAO model of over collateralization. And what we're hoping for is over time, new models and new experiments will emerge in crypto. We'll be able to watch them, gather data, and head towards a more capitally efficient model. Um, maybe you know, I think I think Frax is probably the best example. They have like approximately ninety percent over uh, collateralization. That's not over collateralization, um, but I think like Shape Protocol wants to head towards a more capitally efficient model over time. But we're going to be biased towards stability first and foremost. So we have privacy. We're over collateralized, and then the other really really unique component of Silk. Um, and everyone's told me we're freaking crazy for doing this. So I, I, I've, we've had to stand our ground on this, but Silk actually isn't pegged to the US dollar. Um, we, we decided that like, how can you say you ha- you're a decentralized stable coin if fundamentally you're, you're, you're pegged to a centralized monetary system? Like we have this opportunity to create truly decentralized money truly like resistant stable money, like, like, like next generation stable coins. And we're choosing to peg them to the dollar, right? Um, the dollar is currently experiencing a lot of inflation. And the immediate argument that will get raised is like, wait a second, the dollar is actually performing really, really well right now against everything else. Like the dollar is like the safe haven. People are putting money towards it. But will that be the case in 10 years? Will that be the case five years? Was that the case five years ago, right? So we're always very like locally biased towards how strong any given currency is any given time. And so Silk is actually pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities. Um, the net result is that it's you could picture like how instead of investing in one stock, you instead invest in the S&P 500. Like if you invest in an index fundamentally, there should be less volatility over the course of time. Now, you're not prom- when you invest in the S&P 500, um, you're not promised to have greater returns than, you, and than if you invest in a single stock, right? If you invest in a single stock, your upside is greater, but so is your risk. And so the same concept applies with Silk. When you hold Silk over the course of a decade, the, the promise is not that you'll outperform the dollar. The promise is, or the promise we're attempting to hold is, in relation to your sovereign currency, whether you're holding the euro, the yen, the dollar, whatever currency you're in, you're better off storing value in silk than attempting to, to make the bet that you know which individual global currency is going to be the winner, right? And so people in Europe, if silk was live and they had held silk, because the dollar is part of silk's basket, silk would have actually outperformed, outperformed the euro. Um, same, same with the yen, same for any of those currencies. Um, and then Silk also has commodities involved in the basket. So gold and Bitcoin are part of what it's tracking, part of what it's pegged to. So those two components are essentially hedges against the fact that all global currencies have some degree of inflation. So by including a commodity, you're incorporating a hedge against that kind of that kind of reality. So Silk, in summary, over collateralized, private, pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities. And the really cool part is governance is actually capable of over time adding new currencies, adding new commodities, as well as removing any currency or commodity. Um, so if like the dollar overnight hyperinflated, governance would have the ability to update and migrate migrate the peg. Um, this allows Silk, and I, I call these like reflexive currencies, Silk can literally adapt to any changes in the global market, assuming that there are price feeds that like, 
are tied to Seeker Network. Like as, as long as we have access to those those price feeds through Oracles, Silk is going to be nimble enough to react to very large changes in macro macroeconomics. Um, if Bitcoin takes up 50% of the world's trading volume like and commerce, then Silk could change that 50% of its basket be pegged to Bitcoin. Um, and so I think we're going to enter into this next generation of these kind of like index stable coins. And actually like Egypt the other day even announced that they're going to try to launch currency pegged to, once again, basket of global currencies and commodities. I had community members pinging me like, isn't this Silk? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think... I think this concept of indexed currencies ultimately generates the highest form of long-term stability. So super, Silk is super freaking cool. And this is where, this is where Shade Lend comes in. Uh, users will be able to lock up stuff like Atom, stuff like Osmo, stuff like Secret um, into, into the smart contracts, just like MakerDAO. And then they'll, they'll be able to mint out, mint out Silk and essentially put themselves in a, in a leverage position, a lending position. And they'll be able to go use that Silk um, in multiple different places in DeFi, ultimately is the is the goal. Um, I'll pause there because I I've, I'll open I'll let you ask any questions on Silk before I talk about the lending the lending loops that are fascinating because I definitely just ranted for like ten minutes straight. So much good info though, I appreciate it. Um, so I think like with for me like where I'm wondering is like the basket of assets that it's pegged to. So I don't think that you're necessarily going to be going and buying are or are you going to be going and buying derivatives of all these said currencies and commodities or will it just be like an algorithmic thing that's running that's keeping a sort of like a ledger of what it would have yeah that's a, that's an excellent question so I, I i called it a a synthetic peg um essentially what's happening is on the smart contract what you're able so like you lock up your collateral and you mint out silk right and at that moment in time when you mint silk it's like, at what rate are you able to mint silk? Is silk worth a dollar? Is it worth a dollar and five cents, a dollar and 10 cents, right? And so what, what, what is changing in the system, how silk is able to track this global index is that target minting rate is an aggregate of the Oracle. So I'll give like a super simplified example. We'll say that the Euro is worth $1 and we'll say that the dollar is worth um, $1. And if you assign a 50% weight to the euro and the dollar, then the net total is $1, right? So the minting contract would be saying, hey, you locked up collateral um, and now you can mint out at, at a $1 rate. That's what Silk is fundamentally worth. Now, six seconds go by, the oracles get updated. Let's say the euro is now worth $2 and the dollar is worth $1. Um, the new average between those two, like 50% weight tied to each one is $1.50. So now when someone goes to the minting contract and mints something out, the rate at which they can mint out is at a dollar and fifty cents instead of a dollar. Um, that's obviously like an absurd like amount of of volatility in currency in currency price changes. <laughs> um, the liquidation contracts are also operating under the same the same same logic. So everything's following the same unified minting rate, and that minting rate is constantly being informed by this aggregated uh, oracle. Um, the Oracle we use is BAM protocol. It's a, it's actually a Cosmos, the Cosmos uh, blockchain. Believe it or not, not many, not too many people talk about it. And then we're also uh, partnered with Supra Oracles, which is coming into the game in 2023. Definitely check them out. Eventually, we want to aggregate between two different decentralized Oracle solutions. Um, but out of the gates, we're just um, looking at BAM Oracle solution. And then actually, we have default protection. 
uh, we have a whole rollback method so that if the Oracle goes down, all that happens is that Silk essentially is no longer tracking the index. It just, all the minting contracts are now referencing like a static price point. It's like, oh, it's at a dollar and five cents because there's no Oracle information. From then on out, all the minting contracts, all the liquidation contracts are tracking tracking Silk as if it's a static stable coin as opposed to a dynamic stable coin. And then once the Oracle come back online, there's essentially weight normalization that happens. And then the dynamic peg then resumes where every six seconds as those Oracles get updated, then Silk is once again dynamic and all the smart contracts are referencing that those dynamic changes. So we have a whole rollback protection system if ban protocol, which is already a decentralized Oracle solution, if they go completely offline, if everything completely breaks with them, all that happens in effect is Silk just becomes a static stablecoin uh, until the Oracle stuff comes back online, it becomes dynamic again. So that's a little run through of the protections on the, the, the Oracle side. All right. It sounds like you guys have had to do uh, lots of math, <laughs> lots, of, uh, <laughs> lots of planning on this out. So um, cool. Thank you. Yeah. You're going to go on to uh, lending now. Yeah. So this is the most, the most exciting like use cases I'm, I'm pumped about is like, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a DGen myself. So it's always fun to see like the, the trading strategies that could emerge. And so there's, there's two, two fascinating ones that have never really been done before. Um, leverage liquidity farming and, and going leverage long. But the difference here is that the collateral that's being locked up is the staking derivative. So like I'll, I'll walk you through this user story. So you own Shape Protocol Secret Network staking derivative called Staked Secret, right? Um, that derivative is at any given moment passively earning you like 22% APR because the staking derivative, right? So you lock it up in Shade Lend and then you mint out Silk. And then what you do is you take that Silk, you go to the DEX and you buy more of the derivative with Silk. And then you take the derivative you lock it up and you essentially loop that entire thing and you create like a super leveraged long position. But why this is fascinating is that the collateral that's locked up in the lending product is a derivative that is passively earning you staking rewards. So usually it's like you lock up collateral and you loop and you loop and you loop, but it's not a staking derivative. And so what we're doing with our lending product by, by expanding out to derivatives is you can, you're earning more yield because you're tapping into layer one staking rewards with these types of lending products. So that loop is is super super interesting. The other loop that's interesting is leverage liquidity mining. So on ShadeSwap, there's going to be a Silk to staked secret pool. There'll also probably be Silk to staked Atom pools to Silk to staked Osmo pools. Those liquidity mining pools are already interesting because as a liquidity provider, you're also earning staking yield while you're liquidity providing. That's why like those pools are doing so well on Osmosis. We're going to have the same thing on ours. Um, and so leverage liquidity mining is like. Uh, imagine you lock up Adam, you, let's say it's a, we'll say it's the silk to Adam staking derivative pool. Okay. So you lock up your Adam derivative, you mint out silk, and then you split your silk 50, 50 into the derivative as well as silk. You mint an LP token, you deposit it in to earn yield. And then you deposit that LP token into the lending protocol and you continue to loop. So ShadeLend will allow you to deposit LP tokens into it. And once again, this is the, this is the permissioned uh, primitive stuff I was talking about. So this is kind of a first ever. You're going to be able to earn ShadeSwap LP yield while your LP token is locked up in ShadeLend. 
So, so usually with these types of loops, that wouldn't be the case because usually the lending product is completely separate infrastructure from the swap. But once again, unified product vision, your LP, turn, LP token will be earning you liquidity providing rewards and you'll be earning staking derivative yield, right? All at the same time, all, all while putting yourself in a leverage position. And because these pairs on ShadeSwap are all denominated in silk pairs, um, fundamentally, like there's less um, impairments, loss risk with some of these leveraged liquidity mining strategies. So anyways, I'll, I'll pause there for, for questions. It's a lot to digest. Could someone react in the audience if they can hear me? That your LP tokens that are locked up in Lend are earning you um, liquidity mining rewards while it's locked in the lending product. So usually users would have to choose like, do I deposit my LP token into a DEX to earn farming yield? Or do I deposit the LP token into a lending product to like lock it up and mint out and do like leverage stuff? We're allowing you to do both at the same time. Your LP token can get locked in lend. It's passively earning itself the liquidity mining rewards. And the crazy part is because these LP tokens, one half of them are a staking derivative, you're also earning staking yield, staking yield, liquidity mining yield. And then you essentially can loop through where you mint out the silk. You buy one half of the other token, you turn it into an LP token, you keep looping. Um, and so this type of like leverage liquidity mining with staking derivatives with the complement between shade swap and shade lend as like a U unified DeFi primitive is going to create so much better capital utilization for people's capital. And ultimately it will result in far better TVL for the decks, which creates better trading experiences, which encourages more volume. So I think, I think leverage liquidity mining with derivatives with the shade lend shade swap integration with each other is going to just it's going to blow some people's minds well i think one of the cool things that if you look at it this way you could or you look at it is just you know continue to gain yield um your staking yield they're like paying off your loan in a way um as you gain more yield right yep that that is 100 percent how some people would would think about it we're we're gonna have massive disclaimers of course like in our docs and on our website for people that like want to go and do leverage liquidity farming or just like lever up on secret or atom or whatever token there's a lot of risk involved because people can get liquidated with these strategies but um there's a very strong appetite for leverage because ultimately if you think about buying and selling it's ultimately like a form of expression and communication and leverage allows you to just to express your your theories in a much stronger way so people that feel very very bullish on atom and its underlying staking can take very aggressive postures tied to how bullish they are on it. Um, and eventually, well, no, I can't, I can't reveal 2023 roadmap stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll pause here and say super pumped, leverage liquidity mining and the leverage longs. Yeah, like I think you're back to your earlier point, like how in the heck did, you know, this time go by and then you guys have built all these different, you know, DeFi primitives and all of this under one house. Um, and it's, it's going to be pretty cool. And I think, you know, you have the the new white paper launching the first, I think. Yep. So even more news to be shared on the first, uh, you know, and more things that we probably haven't heard about yet. Yeah, and I think I think the hardest part to describe to people is like people. I think they hear Shade Protocol and they think, oh, like private DeFi, that's cool. But I think it's gonna be the unified DeFi and the design space that's opened up when your lending product works directly with a arbitrage product working directly with the decks i think the expanded design space people are going to look back at that as like a no-brainer um because ultimately it just creates better services for users 
it, it like it allows users to do more with their own collateral in the name of the in the name of the user. Um, and if there's one thing we've learned from Web two and Web three, it's that if you want a platform to be successful, it's it has to solve a problem for users. And the more focus you can be on the users, the the you know the more people that will come. Yeah, I think your uh, arbitrage model of you know sending that revenue back to the the token holders, I think, is you know the first step and really showing everybody you guys are putting the users first. Um, so, if there is anybody out there at the moment. Uh, if you guys do have any questions and want to come up, uh, feel free to either DM me, uh, do a tweet. Um, you can also just request the mic, come up on stage. Of course, we're all nice up here and Carter's got a big brain and, and he'll share it with you. So Carter, is there like anything we haven't touched on maybe yet that you think's going to be super important for users to understand? Um, I think that the two other big ones is like the stable swap, um, is going to be great because we're going to be partnering with other stablecoin projects. So keep your eyes peeled for the emission campaigns that are going to be coming to the stable swap. Cosmos doesn't really have a super supported stable swap anywhere to my knowledge. I mean, Astroport on Terra is kind of there. Osmosis is heading in that direction. Um, Evemos has a, has a couple stuff, but we're going to be super focused on creating this amazing Bridge UI UX directly built into app.shapeprotocol.io and it'll be half step away from earning yield on, on stable coins, which will be super fun. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for the stablecoin partnerships because we really want to be part of solving that liquidity problem in the cosmos. And then the other side of things is staking. There's going to be some fun announcements on shade staking coming within the next two weeks. Um, so... Uh, that's super exciting. It's been interesting too, because most projects, they launch staking at the start of the project. And we're actually, we've held off on launching staking until all the, the products are actually here. Because we really view staking as like a user acquisition strategy. And so we want it, we didn't want to emit value for the sake of emitting value. Like you want to emit value um, in the name of users, like actually being able to participate, actually be able to use use the apps. So um, the time is rapidly coming for shade staking to, to come online. And that's going to be super fun. Also liquidity too, right now, like for anyone who's interested in shade, like, um, the reason we're launching our own decks is liquidity is not in a good place at all on secret network. So that's part of the reason we decided to build the stable coin, the decks and the lending product from scratch. So, uh, liquidity is abysmal right now. It's embarrassing. Um, but that's precisely why we're, we're launching the products we are in, in Q4 is to help solve for that. Yeah, I think the the suite of products you have, like, you know, usually in a DeFi ecosystem, like you said, it's all fragmented. So it's kind of like one by one by one. And it's you kind of got to get each going one after the next. But you kind of kind of have a unique opportunity for everything so integrated. The incentives are aligned to get everything going, but also too, there's just less friction going in between these different uh, protocols. Yep, exactly. So I do have uh, one initial question from the crowd. Uh, so two coming from uh, Jeff. So the first one is: Will institutions and people trade a stablecoin that isn't pegged to USD? Yes. So this is why the stable swap is such a is such a great product because ultimately we're still going to be having dollar pegged stablecoins on the stable swap, and ultimately if people really want to trade and own those dollar stablecoins, we're creating a hub for stablecoin liquidity. 
regardless of any institution's perspective on silk. Now, concerning silk as this kind of unique index, I do believe uh, there is there is demand for it. It is a differentiated product. There's more clearly. There's more demand for dollars than for for silk. A because silk doesn't exist yet, so it's hard to verify the thesis. But B, if we look at the distribution of stable coins, it's not like there's euro stable coins that are super popular. Um, there's not necessarily yen stable coins in crypto that are super popular. But like fundamentally, we're trying to create the stable coin that's positioned to be the most late game version of crypto that we can imagine. Um, and that's that's ultimately what Silk is. So in the short term, adoption might be tough. Adoption might be not as rapid and as quick um, as something like a dollar stable coin. But I think there's lots of other dollar stable coins out there, right? IST is coming to the market. USK is coming to the market. Ultra is coming to the market. There's all these Cosmo dollar stable coins. And so instead of you know competing on dollar stable coin adoption i i like from shape protocol's perspective we said like how can we actually innovate on the idea of a stable coin how can we how can we actually push innovation beyond just dollar stable coins so there's short term disadvantages to our stance on that and i think there'll be some very strong patient long term advantages with institutional adoption with user adoption um that will be amplified depending on where macroeconomic forces head towards so like if the dollar's inflation suddenly ramped up to something even greater or if it started depreciating compared to other global currencies like that 20 percent yield you're earning on a DeFi product is a lot less meaningful if, if your inflation is greater than your yield stuff stuff like that right um and so yeah we're trying to position silk to be the most stable asset that's ever been ever been created which is a bold, it's a, it's a bold goal, but. Hey, I think uh, Mark Cuban's favorite saying is no balls, no babies. So <laughs> gotta be bold. And it's Cosmos. Uh, it's, a, it's an ecosystem of experimentation. So that's what it's all about. Exactly. Um, and then another question on the point of privacy. Um, is there a way um that zero knowledge technology um could do the same thing um for secret Ooh, that's an interesting one um so zk starks like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of privacy like i view privacy on like a spectrum um and there's trade-offs to different privacy solutions and secret network has chosen like computational efficiency as kind of an attribute that it prioritizes and with secret 2.0 is going to be launching fairly soon uh and being announced so i can't i cannot i cannot leak details but i'll just say i believe that secret networks privacy solutions are going to continue to harden and improve and could someone else build privacy solutions into their blockchain absolutely can it be zero knowledge proofs sure it's just, I think a combination of different privacy preserving technologies is ultimately the best balance as opposed to, you know, just trusted execution environments or just zero knowledge proofs or just fully homeomorphic encryption. All these have trade-offs. And I think, I think like a whole set of privacy chains could emerge to help fundamentally solve the problem. So long and short, yes, it, it, it can be done. There's trade-offs to it and keep your eyes peeled for secret networks long-term vision casting on privacy.
privacy is a right. So thank you, Carter. I know you always kind of get uh, asked like the secret general questions too whenever you get on the space. So I appreciate you always sharing that that info with us. Oh, of course. And yeah, I really appreciate appreciate you having me on. That was a heavy one hour. Like that was a lot. I threw I threw a lot at you. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for being willing to let me let me uh, rant. I know that was just like an info dump. Um, but hopefully people anyone who listened to the Twitter space recording, like we'll have an appreciation for like, wow, there is like, there's a lot going on here. Um, and it's, I, I like to tell the devs we're, we're entering into put up or shut up mode. You know, we've, we've talked, we've talked to big talk behind closed doors now more so publicly. And now it's, now it's time to put it out into the market and, and let, let the world know and see if there's product market fit. So the, the nerves and the adrenaline are building. And I just invite you to, Join the community, spread the word, be a part of the experiment, and let's let's see what happens. Yes, sir. So where should people go over the next, what is it, like a week or so before the updated white paper comes out um, to stay up to date, get involved in like Discord telegrams? Where's the best place for all that info? Yeah, so best best thing to do is follow shade underscore protocol. Um, in at shade underscore protocol, there is a link in the Twitter profile to the shade protocol docs documentation so be sure to click on that read through all the stuff that's there there's actually so much in motion that those docs are still not even perfectly up to date it's it's been so much <laughs> development is outpacing our ability to document some of these things publicly which is a good and bad thing in its own right um and then also be sure to join go to app.shadeprotocol.io and you can actually look at the app today it's live it's on mainnet staking derivative bonds wrapping page portfolio page coupler integration all that stuff uh, is there so check out the app and then on the on the website shapeprotocol.io be sure to join the community discord and telegram our discord super active we have all these great economic discussions general chat is always popping shout out to the shade spartans um, and telegram's always a good time and feel free to dm me too on twitter if you have any questions I try to be as responsive as possible. So, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate you, Carter, for all the, the work you and the team are doing. Um, excited to see it uh, go live and come to fruition. Uh, can't wait to uh, catch up with you again afterwards and hear uh, all the new stuff past beyond what you've shared with us today. So, thank you guys. Appreciate everybody for their time today and hope everybody has a good rest of their week. Yep. Have a good one, guys. Happy Tuesday. Peace. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Shade Protocol AMA hosted by Tricky Crypto with Cosmo Spaces, recorded on Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two
Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastise into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move Change the view Just a bunch of pecker heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger Licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Spaces. <laughs>